My Seven Chakras, episode 176. The cure for anything is salt water, sweat, tears, or the sea. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, your friend, your host, and fellow action taker. And you have tuned into the show where we dive deep into the ancient world to uncover nuggets of wisdom that will change your life. This is your show where we believe that science and spirit go hand in hand and that happiness is everyone's birthright. So if this is the first time that you're tuning in, I want to give you a big digital hug and say welcome to My 7 Chakras. Now we have a thrilling episode in store for you today, but before that, let's listen to our latest iTunes review. Little Leah writes, I started listening to this podcast about a month ago and since then it has taken me out of the slump that I was in and given me a reason to start living my true purpose. I'm still working on what exactly that purpose is and I will continue to listen each and every interview to gain more perspective on alternative ways of living. Thank you for creating such an amazing learning source for people who don't want to follow the ways of everyone else. Action Tribe, every minute of my work is dedicated to helping you get out of that slump so that you can feel better. You build momentum, adopt some empowering practices and find your life's purpose. So if you want your own review to be read out as well, make sure you leave us your views, your experiences and thoughts in the form of an iTunes review. If you've never written a review before this, it's simple. If you're on your iPhone, just hit reviews and then hit write a review. Or you can also type in this link onto your browser to jump directly onto the iTunes review page. Link is my7chakras.com forward slash review. That's my7chakras.com forward slash review. Now, I know that you're busy taking action. You're busy tackling your challenges and busy reading new and empowering books to change your life. But especially if the show has helped you in your life, take about a minute or two and write a review because every review counts. Reviews at the end of the day, let iTunes know that you love our show. And as a result, we get more exposure, better rankings and a larger action tribe community. So help me help you. And with that, we are now ready to welcome our featured guest for today, Sam Bennett. So Sam, are you ready to inspire? I'm ready, AJ. Thank you so much. That's great. So Sam Bennett is the author of Start Right Where You Are and Get It Done. She created the Organized Artist Company to help creative people get unstuck and achieve their goals. She's a writer, actor, teacher, and creativity productivity specialist who has counseled thousands of artists and entrepreneurs on their way to success. So Sam, that was a short intro about your story, but for our listeners, tell us a bit more about you and fill in any blanks that I might have missed. Thank you. Yeah. So um, let's see. I grew up in Chicago. Um, I was an actor. I'm, I'm still an actor. I've always been an actor. I was one of those kids who, you know, put on plays and went to theater camp. And, you know, <laughs> and I had one of those acting careers that went, you know, well enough that you didn't want to give up on it, but not so well as to actually be able to support a person. And... Along the way, 
I got really interested in this question of how do creative people make decisions? You know, when you could do anything, how do you decide what to do? And how do you stay motivated on the projects that matter most to you? You know, when there's no quarterly review on how your novel is going, you know, you know, you notice we get everything done for everybody else all day. But when it comes to the stuff that really matters to us, we don't always move forward. And out of that work, so I started teaching a workshop called Get It Done, you know, 12 people in a church basement, which is one of a lot of things I was doing. And gradually, I got more and more interested in that. And I created the Organized Artist Company. I started teaching online. A couple of years ago, I wrote the book, Get It Done, From Procrastination to Creative Genius in 15 Minutes a Day, which got endorsed by Seth Godin, which I'm totally not over. (laughs) (laughs) And that book has done very well, and I'm really proud of it. But I realized that I had left something out of that book. That book is very actionable. You know, it's a lot about, there's some inner game stuff, but it's a lot about, you know, how, how to move forward on a project. But I realized, you know, if it's not actually okay with you, that you get your creative work out into the world. If it's not actually okay with you that you take good enough care of yourself that you can even show up creatively, it really doesn't matter what tips or strategies I give you, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why I wrote Start Right Where You Are, How Little Changes Can Make a Big Difference for Overwhelmed Procrastinators, Frustrated Overachievers, and Recovering Perfectionists. Got it. So thanks a lot for sharing that context and that background. Now, before diving into the show, let me ask you, what is your favorite inspirational quote? And also tell us how you apply this quote in your life. Uh, One of my favorites is from uh, the Danish writer Isaac Denison. She says, the cure for anything is salt water, sweat, tears, or the sea. And I love it. She's one of my favorite writers just anyway. And I particularly love that quote. I live right by the beach. I live right near the ocean. And you know, my, my family calls me a mermaid on land. You know, <laughs> The water is very important to me. I love it that that quote recognizes that, first of all, we need cures. We need remedies. Things aren't always going to go the way we want. But that we have the power to shift our perspective in every moment. And whether you need to sweat it out or cry it out, or just get some perspective on eternity, mm-hmm. you can, in fact, heal your perspective. So I really love this quote. Thanks a lot for sharing. The cure for anything is the salt, water, sweat, tears, or the sea. You can either cry it out because sometimes it's important to cry and not hold back your emotions. Sometimes it's just taking action and working really hard until you find that result and you achieve your goals. And sometimes you just need to take a break and go to the sea so that you get some inspiration from nature, from the universe. And that nudge might be just the thing you need in order to encourage you to take the next step. So I love this quote. Thanks a lot uh, for sharing. And with that, let's dive in. You spoke about this a bit at the start, but what really inspired you to write your book, Start Right Where You Are? Yeah, it was really a lot of the questions I was getting from my clients and students. You know, I'd hear from people all the time, like they have these dreams, they have these desires, they have something they want to do, whether it's a creative project, like a writing project, or a house project, like they need to clear out the spare room, or they want to find a partner, or they want to start a business, whatever it is. And that issue of like, well, how do I even begin? You know, how do I, where, I don't know where to start. And the fear that sort of embedded in that question is is this misunderstanding that that there is a right place to start you know that there's going to be a right way to do it and if you don't do it the right way you're going to screw up and they're going to take away your good girl card Mm -hmm. so i really wanted to give people some tools in which to start in the moment i mean it's partly what what i had to do for myself moving from you know 10 years ago i was 
broke and depressed and fed up with myself and exhausted. And, you know, I kept thinking that something would happen mm -hmm. that would make me happier, <laughs> that I would make some amount of money or I would get some gig or someone would say something or I don't know, I thought something would happen. I'd get some, achieve some weight or something and that then it would all be okay. And I realized that I had to stop waiting to be happy in the future, that waiting to be happy in the future was just stressing me out in the present, and that it was my job to take 100% responsibility for myself and learn to be, if not happy, at least peaceful or joyful or present for right now. Got it. So I think this really resonates with many of our listeners, people who've received maybe a grand vision or a task that they must do, and they find it so hard starting. Maybe finding the perfect situation or circumstances or the perfect person they could meet who would sort of help them create that launch pad to launch into their dreams. But you realized through your experience that waiting is not really the solution. The solution is just getting in the present moment and also using these ideas or, or techniques that you articulate and outline in your book to just build some momentum and start Right. So let's start with the challenge at hand. In your experience, why do people feel stuck in their lives? Now, I'm not talking about people who are starting a new project, but someone who's already started a project maybe at some point in time, but then they feel stuck in between. Why do these people feel stuck in their lives? Well, there's all kinds of reasons to feel stuck. I think we, we have a lot of, um, I like to call them creative dichotomies. I don't even think I talk about this in the book particularly, but it's when we want two things that seem to be in opposition to each other equally at the same time. Mm -hmm. For example, we want our life to feel safe. We want things to be familiar. We want to feel in control. We want to feel safe. At the same time, we want things to be new and exciting and right. different. We want both of those things at the same time. And we sometimes get torn. I think sometimes when you feel stuck, you're, you're, it's because you're shifting your focus like, well, I want to feel safe, but I want something new, but I want to feel safe, but I want something new. No, change that but to an and. You want something new and you want to feel safe and bring those ideas closer together. Like, how can I do something that is seemingly contradictory? You know, where can I find the safety inside of myself and try something new and risky? at the same time. Wonderful. So I love the term creative dichotomy. I've not heard about the term before, but I have that. Uh, I have heard this challenge articulated to Tony Robbins. And I love how you positioned that as a difference between certainty and uncertainty, right? Because mm -hmm. everyone strives and looks for certainty, right? Maybe a good job, a lifetime partner, but sometimes too much certainty, like a job that you've been doing for the last 10 years can become boring and monotonous and you want to do something different. But on the other hand, too much of uncertainty might seem like very challenging, very stressful, very anxious, right? But then people say that when you go out on an adventure, especially a surfer wants that level of uncertainty, like that big wave so that they can overcome those challenges and then, you know, rise to a whole new level. Is that correct? Well, exactly, exactly. And, you know, there's other kinds of creative dichotomies too. It may not be about risk. It may be sure. about, you know, opinion. On the one hand, we really care about what other people think about us. We want to be respected and admired and not have people think that we're foolish. Yeah. On the other hand, we don't give two figs what anybody thinks, right? And both of these things can be true at the same time. And, and you know, I think we get a little bit tricked by school. You know, school teaches us that we're supposed to know the answers in advance. Mm -hmm. That's how you succeed. 
is they test you and you know the answers in advance. You even might know the questions in advance. Life is not like that. The creative process is not like that. Being a good friend is not like that. Being a good parent or partner is not like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the game we're playing. So to give up this idea that you can get an A plus in your life, that there is a right way to do it, because there isn't a right way to do it. There's only your way to do it. You have been leading your life perfectly, perfectly for you. Your life is unfolding perfectly for you. You can have a little self-trust. You know, you can lean in a little bit to your own desires, to the things that you really, really want. And I get it that sometimes asking the question, what do I want, can feel kind of overwhelming. Mm -hmm. It was overwhelming for me, I remember, you know, because we're not really trained to ask that question. You know, what do I want? What, I don't know. What do you mean? What do you want? What do you want for me? What can I do for you? That's really, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's where I'm most comfortable. What can I do for you? Yes. So the question, what do I want, can feel a little much. So instead, I suggest the question, how can I make this moment more me? Mm. How can I make this moment right now, this conversation, this outfit, this email, this meal, how can I make this interaction more me. And when you're showing up just that much more in your life, when you're bringing just that much more authenticity, that much more vibrancy, you really start to plug in to the truth of who you are. And you start to see the signs and signals that show you where to Love that. Now, in your book, you speak about 66 small doable changes that can lead to big joy. And I know that this can be a hard decision for you, but what is your favorite technique or idea that people can try out today itself? Yeah. Yeah. So the whole book is very, very short chapters, like little two, three page chapters. You can okay. read. And that was the whole idea is I really wanted the structure of the book to support the idea that a little change could make a big difference. Right. And it's actually not that hard. It's, it's a little like admitting that you have a favorite child, but I actually do have a favorite exercise. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, all, they're all good. Don't get me wrong. They're all good. But my favorite, I think, is make some five minute art about it. And what that is, is when you are stuck emotionally around something, or you're stuck and you don't know why, or, you know, like, you know, you shouldn't be mad, but you are, or you've got some memory, some past experience that's keeping you stuck, or the critical voice inside your head is keeping you stuck, whatever it is, I want you to make some five minute art about it. And that means get out a piece of paper and draw a picture of what it looks like, or do a dance about it, or make up a little song about it, or get out your Sculpey clay and make a, 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 a three-dimensional image of it, whatever your, you know, whatever your jam is. And it doesn't have to be good and nobody ever has to see it and you can throw it away right away. But here's what happens. It's like, it's magical because two things happen. One, feelings just want to be felt. Feelings just want to be felt. That's all they want. And once they know they've been felt, they can, you know, get promoted. <laughs> they can get a better job. Trying to keep your feelings locked away, well, we all know the pain that that causes, right? They don't go away. They just get stronger. So let the feelings know they've been felt. And then once your feeling has been felt, once it's taken form, once you can sort of see it outside of your head, you will start to have a different perspective on it. And you can move forward from there in whatever way you need to. You know, I had one client recently who who made a drawing of her inner critic, mm. you know, and this mean face, sort of stick figure with a mean face saying, you know, you're too dumb and no one cares and who do you think you are anyway, right? And she she put a post of it, posted, uh, posted a picture of it on our private Facebook group and she's like, okay, great. So now I've got a picture of my inner critic. Now what? She still scares me. <laughs> and I'm like, right, but now you know who she is. Like now you can... I don't know, start a conversation with her. You could create an origin story for her. You could put her into a little movie. You could, you know, you could do anything you want with her, but you could start interacting with her rather than just letting her run the show. Got it. 
So loved this tip, Action Tribe, make a five minute art about something that you're stuck about. So if you're stuck about something and you don't quite understand why, start drawing, writing or singing about it because the idea is to really acknowledge those feelings or emotions that seem to need some attention. And once you've spent those five minutes, the effect is that you're able to get those thoughts out of your head and that will help you move on. So Loved this tip, Samantha, and I'm looking forward to the other tips that are in the book. Now, your book is based on the idea that small shifts in the right direction can yield big results, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think is powerful. But how does a person ensure that we're in fact taking those small steps in the right direction so that we don't climb up a ladder on the wrong wall? Well, one of the beautiful things about staying rooted in the present moment and staying centered in yourself, right? The term self-centered gets thrown around like it's a criticism a lot. Yeah. But I always think, oh, you're, you know, if somebody says, oh, you're self-centered, I always think, well, yes, myself is in my center. I am centered in myself. What what else would be in my center? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So I sort of urge you to reframe that, 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 that idea. Um, but when you are centered in yourself and when you are really present, you start to listen. You can hear your intuition a lot better. You can hear your inner wisdom a lot better. You can start to ignore some of that mental chatter. Um, so it actually becomes a lot less likely that you're going to go up the wrong ladder, you know? And if you do, you can course correct. You know, especially when you're just starting, you're at the what I call the sparkly breadcrumb stage, yeah. you know, so you're just sort of you just take a couple of little tiny steps and see, see what attracts you see where Oh, this invitation, oh, this person, oh, this recording, oh, this podcast, oh, this book, oh, you know, and then you sort of see, and we've all had the experience, you know, sometimes you take a few steps, and it's just not going, you know, it's a lot of knees and elbows, it's a lot of missed communication, it just starts to get yucky and complicated, good, now you know, mm -hmm. now's mm -hmm. not the right time for that idea, maybe not never, but not right now, on the other hand, and I know you've had this experience, Sometimes you take a few intuition driven steps in one direction and it's like the universe comes rushing at you. Mm -hmm. So so what does a person do then? I mean what happens when surf baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Surf and trust the process. You know, this is where you lean in. This is where, you know, sometimes I, I hear this all the time from my clients and students. I'm like, gosh, you know, I started spending 15 minutes a day working on my book, just doing little tiny bits at a time. And the next thing I knew, I'm in line at the coffee shop and the woman next to me is a literary agent and we're like totally hitting it off. And now I've got a meeting next week and like, ding, ding, there you go. Because when you're in it, when you're actually in motion and, and making progress and taking steps, you start to see things in a new way your mind you know what your mind is best at is finding what it's looking for so if you tell your mind i'm not sure if it's okay for me to write a book your mind is just going to find more reasons why it's you're not sure it's okay for you to write a book if you tell your mind we're writing a book your mind will start finding evidence why you're writing a book mm -hmm. so in this way we can control our experience you know some people say like oh it's manifestation or oh it's magical thinking no no it's just your pattern recognition system kicking in and leveraging the power of that got it now, while it's important to take small steps, as you mentioned, and be in the present moment, I guess it's also important at some stage to reconnect with your vision, right? And your vision is normally somewhere in the future. So how do we reconcile this, you know, taking action in the present, but at the same time, sort of connecting with your vision or your dream that's somewhere in the future and ensuring that you're heading in the right direction. Right. Well, that's another one of those creative dichotomies, isn't it? Like, yeah. on the one hand, we create this vision in the future and we become, and, and, and if you want it, you have to become relentless in your pursuit of that vision. You know, you have to be tenacious and work your 
butt off and never say die. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, things have their own time. Projects have their own way of coming into the world and you have to surrender and chill out and go with the flow. Yeah. (laughs) Both of these things are equally true in the same moment. So, and you need both. You need the strong, you need a vision, but not everybody's got a big, clear vision. You know, sometimes that question can be really overwhelming. And sometimes we have a big, clear vision that it turns out we don't actually want. You know, we've all had that thought of like the thing that we thought would be so great. And then you get there and it's not really that great. Um, So the way to ensure that you are happy in the future is to make sure that you are happy in the present. And we have to take small steps because we can't take giant steps. You can't lose 30 pounds right now, not without lopping something off, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but you can start behaving like a person who's 30 pounds thinner right now. You can start treating yourself like you're 30 pounds thinner right now. You can eat what that 30 pounds thinner person eats. You can behave the way that 30 pound less person behaves. You know, you can't be a published author, right? Well, you kind of can, actually. Yeah. Um, you sort of can do it like this afternoon, um, which is thrilling and amazing to me. Um, <laughs> I love it that we live in this time. There's been never been a better time to be a creative person. Like it's yeah. just amazing. The technology and the distribution channels and the opportunity to make money. It's fantastic. But let's just say you cannot com- you know, you can't start and finish a novel today, but you can behave like a novelist today. Right. Got it. So you take these little tiny steps and it's a little weird. I mean, this book, the start right where you are book, I sold this book last December. And it is in bookstores 11 months later, traditionally published from New World Library. And I do kind of have that, you know, sometimes you read, I love to read like Hollywood biographies or um, especially the old ones, like the hottest gossip of 1957. (laughs) And and often in these Hollywood biographies or memoirs, there's like, oh, I was struggling. Oh, I was doing this thing. It wasn't really working. And then I got famous. And I'm always like, wait, (laughs) what happened between what happened in between those two yeah. things? But I have that, I sort of have that feeling about my own life right now. I'm like, wait, I have two published books. I have a six figure business. Like, how did that happen? Yeah. How did that happen? But it happened because I showed up. Absolutely. So I love what you shared there. You sort of give us many insights. First, as you said, be flexible with your vision because as a human being, as you get exposed to new ideas and thoughts and concepts, you're bound to transform and change for the good. So be flexible to your vision, uh, the importance of getting touch with your intuition, and also embodying your vision, you know, stepping into your vision that might take place some years in the future, but also trying to behave like you're already there, feeling, uh, you know, sensing it, but at the same time, taking small steps each and every day, right? So it's definitely, uh, in a way, it's like a dichotomy, like you mentioned, I I love that phrase, but then your intuition will let you know what is best for you at the right moment. Now, in your book, you talk about a specific breathing technique, 478 breathing technique, which caught my attention. What exactly is this technique? Yeah, this is something I've been doing for probably 30 years. Um, Mm. And I love it. I start all my classes with it. I do it all the time in my own life. Here, we can do it. We can do it together. Um, sure. uh, so I'll we'll just inhale for four, hold for seven, exhale for eight. We'll all count us through it and we'll just do it one time. So let your belly go really poochy soft and let's inhale two, three, four, hold two, three, four, five, six, seven, exhale two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Mm, thank you for doing that with me. Wonderful. It, it's amazing. It's amazing. The it's different- beautiful. Just that one little strategy. And you can do it once. You can do it three times. You can do it 10 times. I do it in the parking lot of the Trader Joe's. I do it standing in line. Um, my friends who have insomnia tell me it's great for insomnia. It's when you're stressing out. It's an amazing little technique. Four, seven, eight. So quick question. Have you ever thought about it or 
you know, did some research about why are you exhaling more than you're breathing in? You know what? I have no idea. Like, this is one of the weird... I can't remember <laughs> where I learned this from. Okay. <laughs> and as I long was, as it works, right? <laughs> right, as long as it works. And when I was um, writing the book, I thought, oh, I should research this and find out, you know, yeah. where it came from so I can credit to whoever it is that, you know, whatever tradition this is from. Yeah. But it actually shows up in a lot of different traditions. And then someone told me that Dr. Andrew Weil talks about it in his work, but I've never read any of Dr. Weil's work, so I don't really know. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a thing. For me, it's the, I think it's the counting. Right, I think right. it's just enough counting that it's almost like math and it kind of confuses me. So I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't both stay anxious and count at the same time. <laughs> right, right, right. Absolutely. I mean, uh, like I said, uh, if something works, then then it just works, right? And you've been doing it for such a long time, and it's clearly working not only for you, but also for people who have learned this technique from you. Uh, and many of our listeners will be adopting this technique and trying it out for themselves and testing it and seeing if it works for their lives as well. So thanks a lot uh, for sharing. We spoke about intuition. We spoke about the importance of breathing. And now let's talk a bit about clutter. Right? Because clutter is something that brings us down, reduces our energy, affects productivity. And we've learned about this concept in a couple of previous episodes as well. But I know that you have a unique advice on getting rid of clutter. Is that correct? Well, <laughs> I don't know how unique it is. <laughs> the, you know, the Chinese say that health is flow. Right? Sure. Health is flow. We want the air to flow in and out of our lungs. We want um, our blood to flow. We want the love and money to flow in and out of our lives. And... So any place in your life that is not in flow is clutter. Yep. And I, again, this is something I just see from my clients over and over again that, that you know, oh, I cleared out the garage and met my next husband. <laughs> you know? mm. I cleared out, you know, I got rid of the baby things and just, and found it, you know, and somebody just sent me a check for $2,000. Like crazy things seem to happen, but it, but it makes sort of at least metaphorical sense that when you liberate the stuck energy in your life, there is room for greater flow, more things can come to you and through you. Um, and I think the, the problem, the thing that the thing that I notice about physical clutter is that it's, we hate to be wrong. Mm. You know, we just hate to be wrong. We love to be right. And we hate to be wrong. And I think sometimes when you, you know, you look at the yellow coat that you spent $300 on that never really quite fit. And every time you look at it, you go, Oh, God, that doesn't really fit. I don't really like it. But it was $300. You know, like you don't want to be wrong about having spent the $300 on the yellow coat that doesn't fit. This is what economists call sunk costs. And it's a difficult concept for humans to understand. Economists understand it, humans don't. (laughs) 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 the, The idea is, you're not getting that $300 back, right? There's no, you're not going to, you can't go back in time and not spend that $300. It's Mm. done. It's over. It's happened. So knowing what you know now, would you make the same decision? If the answer is no, then you have your answer. Release the coat. There is someone out there who looks great in yellow who is going to love it. And then that coat gets to be loved and adored and gets to go on to fulfill its destiny as a coat. And you get to reclaim both your closet space and the mental space that it takes up every time you look at that stupid coat and go, ugh. Mm, right, right, right. I think this is really amazing. And I'm glad that we're talking about economics and, and marketing as well and psychology because Action Tribe, you make decisions emotionally and then you try to reason them out logically later on. And sometimes the logic doesn't work because your mind state has changed from that emotion that you experienced when you were in the shopping mall and you bought that yellow coat 
but things have changed you have changed you have grown so make sure you don't get into that sunk cost fallacy and if you feel that you need to make way for some other court then just give it away so really? thanks a lot for sharing that samantha <laughs> my pleasure and i and i i just cuz your people are pretty sophisticated so i think we can go one step further with this mm. same is true of relationships the same is true of relationships and this can feel a lot harder but it's the exact same principle just because you've been married to someone for 20 years is not actually a reason to stay married. Just because you've been friends with someone all this time doesn't necessarily mean that you should stay friends with them. And again, it's the same question. Knowing what I know now, would I make the same decision? Would I make the same decision again today? And if the answer is no, then same thing. Move on. You've changed. They've changed. The situation has changed. It's okay. It's okay to release each other and to have to release the people who are no longer appropriate to your life right now. We do it with love. We do it with gentleness. Like I'm not saying you got to break up with everybody, but you know there are people in your life who are sucking the life, who are like vampires, <laughs> sucking yeah. the life out of yeah. you, or holding you back, or you know keeping you in a pattern you don't it's not healthy for either of you and recognize you know that that if the only reason you're staying is because you've stayed before that's not actually a reason to stay that's an that's a that's a yellow coat well thanks a lot for sharing those amazing insights uh that yellow coat analogy and your stories based on what you've shared today if you had to tell one of our listeners to go out in the world and take one action what would that one action be mm. spend 15 minutes a day on the project that matters most to you it may not matter to anyone else but the project that matters most to you 15 minutes a day before you check your email before you check your e before you check your email spend 15 minutes a day on the projects that matter most to you. So action tribe for today's show notes visit my7chakras.com forward slash 176. That's our website forward slash 176. Out of suffering have emerged the strongest souls. The most massive characters are seared with scars. And this is an amazing quote by Khalil Gibran. Action tribe we all have challenges. We all go through pain and we all suffer. at various parts of our life and no matter how hard you prepare challenges have a way to surprise you out of nowhere because that's just how the universe works and in, in these moments sometimes you might ask the universe why me i know i have but whenever you catch yourself doing that remember that that challenge is there in your life for a particular reason your suffering hasn't gone to waste and the scars that you have endured will in fact become the tattoo that you will wear with pride why am i saying that because i strongly believe that suffering is not suffering it is indeed a character building moment so sam let's go back in time now to a moment when you experienced a major challenge in your life what was your initial reaction to that situation and then what steps did you take to overcome it yeah i think um starting my own business is 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 an endless series of challenges <laughs> mm. and developing exactly what you're saying the 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 character and the strength of the inner strength to really start to see honestly entrepreneurship i think is the greatest tool for personal development and self growth and spiritual growth i've ever seen it's amazing if you've ever wondered like what your stuff was start a business because it will show up immediately 
instantly in your work and it will stay until you figure it out. For example, a lot of entrepreneurs will say, well, I don't have enough money. You know, I'm not making enough money. I don't have enough clients. Okay, that's what it looks like the problem is, but there's actually a spiritual problem happening. There's an inner problem. The problem may be you're not talking to enough prospects. You're not getting out in the world. The problem may be you're not being a clear enough communicator. People don't understand what it is you're offering. The problem may be you're not charging enough and you need to be bolder in your pricing. The pro- you know, there's some inner issue that is causing you to have the result of not enough clients, not enough money. And until you work out what's going on inside of your mind, you're not going to get the result you want. So you, this, le- this thing I had to learn of taking 100% responsibility, because it looks like it's them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, it's them. It's those clients. It's the economy. It's the this. It's the Christmas. It's that. It's that. It's that. No, it's not. It's you. And the understanding that everything that looks like a problem, everything that looks like a mistake, everything that looks like it's gone wrong is actually an invitation and an opportunity for me to grow and be a better person, be a better business person, be a better woman, be a better writer a better communicator, a better boss, a better partner, a better friend, a better citizen. And it, and I don't mean it in like some rosy glasses posted on the mirror, like, it's all good. Everything's fine. Everything happens for a reason. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that everything happens for a reason. What I know is that everything happens and we get to decide what the reason is. So understanding that the things that happen in your in your life, in your business, they're, they're not happening to you. They're happening for you. So... Looking back now in just one sentence, what is that one major life lesson that you'd like to share with our listeners today? The phrase I repeat to myself over and over and my staff repeats back to me over and over is nothing bad is happening. Nothing bad is happening. A big client went away. Nothing bad is happening. The flight got canceled. Nothing bad is happening. This, you know, this didn't happen the way we wanted or that person dropped the ball. Nothing bad is happening. Well, thanks a lot for sharing that story and that major life lesson with us. I'm sure many of our listeners are able to take your story and the principles that you've sort of shared with us and embody that in their life as well. You said that starting a business for you was the biggest challenge that you've experienced. And in fact, you've related the experience of starting and going through a business as a tool for spiritual growth as well. And you said that challenges like money and abundance and clients Issues that might seem like that at the surface could in fact have root causes that we don't even know about. So we need to really dig deep and understand what that issue is, you know, whether it's a communication issue or a confidence issue or a learning issue that we need to go through in order to experience that growth. And when we go through that process, we in fact would experience a spiritual growth. So I love how you connected the entrepreneurial experience with spiritual growth. And basically the lesson that you've uh, sort of shared with us today is that everything that looks like a mistake is indeed an opportunity to grow because everything happens for you and not to you. So thanks a lot for sharing. My pleasure. So Action Tribe, as you head out in your life, realize that life is not easy. It's really hard to make that change. It's hard to make positive habits out of negative habits and overcoming limited mindset. So acknowledge that fact that you have in fact come a long way to from where you were, right? But the very fact that you're listening to this episode right now means that you are not someone who easily gives up because you are an action taker. You know, peak performance thought leader, Les Brown, says that the richest place in the world, the richest place in the world is the graveyard. Because those areas are full of ideas that were never acted upon, destinies that were never fulfilled, world-class products that were never completed, and life purposes 
that were left untouched. Because the sad truth of life is that most people in the world will accept the status quo and never go beyond their comfort zones. But action taker, you are not one of them. I want you to be one of the few people in the world who strives hard, overcomes challenges and finds your life's true purpose. It's not going to be easy as we are learning today. It's definitely going to take some action and some growth. But I know deep down that you will find it. And as Albert Einstein once said, strange is our situation here on earth. Each of us comes for a short visit, not knowing why, yet sometimes seeming to divine a purpose. So Sam, as on today, as of right now, what is your life's purpose? To help creative people get unstuck. I would love to see a world in which everyone is spending that 15 minutes a day on their creative projects. And, you know, I think everyone's a creative genius. Not everyone's artistic in the same way that not everyone is musical. But -hmm. if you've ever solved a problem differently than anybody else has ever solved the problem, congratulations, you're a creative genius and you need to be getting that work out into the world. We need it. We need it. We need it. So Sam, just out of curiosity, are you aware of the chakras and have you uh, done some research on them? Um, I know bits and pieces about them. I know bits and pieces about them. Okay. So my question does not require a lot of uh, learning about the chakras. But my question was, if you see the second chakra, the sacral chakra, right? It's responsible for creation as well as your sexuality, right? So my question to you is, in your experience, what is the difference between creating and procreating? Uh, I don't know that there's much of one. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I mean, creative energy is creative energy. Mm. And the the, the point at which an idea takes hold, Mm. you know, and in fact, sometimes I I encourage my people to, to, to get a little sexy with their projects, you know, flirt with Mm. your project, lean into your project, see, just let your project take you out to dinner. Like, you know, seduce your project, get, you know, get some of that second chakra energy going into it and, and seduce, yourself seduce your clients seduce your your yourself into doing the things that you know are right the yelling voice is not helping right but the right. seduction voice can go a long long way um and certainly that that creative process of of you know planting the seed and letting it grow and giving birth to it and then letting it out into the world where it does its own thing like that's that's the deal. That's what we're here for. Wonderful. So thanks a lot for sharing your perspective. That's something I did not plan to ask you. But since we're talking about creation, I just wanted to get your opinion and your ideas and perspective out of it. So as you glance back at your life, was there ever a defining moment that really changed your life? Is there a defi- you know, when I was 20, I broke. I was in a car accident and I broke my back mm. and I fractured my skull in two places. Um, and I broke my 12th thoracic vertebrae. I mean, I broke one of the big ones. <laughs> Right. (laughs) And uh, you can snap your neck with a sneeze. You know, this was like, this was was a big, this was a big break. And I had to, I had to learn to walk again. You know, I had a long recovery process. And it demonstrated to me my own tenacity of life. Um, I didn't even realize really until later how serious my injuries were and how close I came to dying or being um, permanently disabled. But I just refused. I I, I just refused. (laughs) I refused to not walk again. I refused to. I just I just wouldn't have it. I knew I had too much work to do. And it's one of those times, you know, like, you know, like the mother lifting the car off her baby, like when you don't realize how strong you are until all of a sudden you need all that strength. Um, So that that I remember being in the hospital and my mother saying, 
you know, the, noticing like how many of the doctors and nurses would come to visit me all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and then she, one day she finally said, I think I know why they come to see you so often. And I said, why? And she goes, well, I think they like you. <laughs> she goes, and I think they like that you're getting better. And I think that's true. I think the hospital is often filled with people who are giving up yeah. and people who are letting their life force drain away from them. And so to have somebody there who was just pushing to, to get better every day, every minute. Um, and it really demonstrated for me how fragile we are and how short our time here is. And we don't know how long this road is. We know it will end. We know we're, we know we're, there's a, it's a one way street. We know that we know there's, that eventually there will be an exit door. Mm. Uh, We don't know where. And so this idea again, that, that, that you're waiting for the future is a very dangerous game. Thanks a lot for sharing uh, that defining moment with us. And with that, we've arrived at the final round for today, the wisdom round. The goal of this round is to provide our listeners with nuggets of wisdom so that they can take action right away. So Sam, what is the best advice that you've ever received? Um, Yes. And it's the foundation of uh, improvisation, which is yeah. where a lot of my theater background is. And when you say yes, stay in agreement with what is happening, stay in agreement with reality and add to it, everything goes better. Yes, and. So name a personal habit that keeps you strong. That 478 breathing thing is pretty good. Um, I uh, <laughs> I do a, a little prayer and meditation practice every morning that's really, really helpful. Um, and it's just me in a little composition book. It's nothing fancy. Um, but I write a letter to God or God writes a letter to me, depending on who needs to say what to whom. And I find when I don't do that, if I fall off the wagon or I feel like I'm too busy, things just crumble. Mm. And when I do it, things go great. So what is your morning routine like? So, yeah, I wake up. If I'm in the middle of a big project, I'll often wake up like at, at four, you know, four, the creative time. Mm. Um <laughs> And, uh, and I love to work between like, I'll work from like four to seven and then go back to bed for an hour or two and then get up at 10 and start again. Um, but, uh, but usually I'll wake up fairly early. Um, and I really concentrate on those first couple of seconds of waking up. I really encourage people to give yourself back the moment of waking up, give yourself back the gift of waking up like that, that moment, that liminal time between worlds, that time before you even open your eyes, like when you're not even you yet, you're not mm. anybody's mom, you're not anybody's boss, you're not anybody's daughter, you're just you're just that you, that soul, like relishing that moment and relishing that stretching and rolling over and cuddling and dozing and, you know, I have two cats, so they're usually on me. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like this moment of peacefulness and and creativity, especially for the sensitive person, the creative person, the overworked person, that time of mental quiet when you're still sort of half in dreamland is a great, valuable place for ideas. So get your cell phone out of the bedroom, get your cell phone out of the bedroom and give yourself back those moments. So I'm very deliberate about my waking up. And then yeah, I make a cup of tea, I do my little prayer and meditation work, I read the paper, because I don't, I can't do television news, because it upsets me. So I read it sort of with one have one eye closed, just so that I kind of know what's going on in the world. And uh, and then I start work. Great. So name a book that you'd like to recommend for Action Tribe today. Oh, AJ, this is such a hard question for me. I'm such a big reader. I, lo- I have so many books I'd like to recommend. But one that, um, especially for the entrepreneurs out there that I've really been enjoying is a book called Uncontainable, uh, which is written by the chairman of the CEO of the Container Store, right? Mm-hmm. Uncontainable. 
how passion, commitment, and conscious capitalism built a business where everyone thrives. And it's not like the greatest piece of literature. It's a ghostwritten book, like a lot of those CEO books are. But the way the Container Store and the people who run that company have baked in their values into their business so that their business is genuinely a force for good in the world is so thrilling and so stimulating. Like I found it really, really exciting. So it's called Uncontainable and the author is Kip Tindell, K-I-P-T-I-N-D-E-L-L, Kip Tindell. Wonderful. We'll have the link up in the show notes, Action Tribe. For the show notes, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 176. That's our website forward slash 176. So Simon, it was such an amazing experience chatting with you today and having you on our show. Before you go, uh, what is one thing that you're grateful for? And tell us the best way we can find you. I'm exceedingly grateful for everyone who's taken the time to be here with us. And I kind of, AJ, I kind of want to underline what you were saying. The fact that you all make the time to be here, that's it. That's your engraved invitation from God. You're ready. Like whatever it is you think like, oh, I would do that, but I'm not ready. No, you're ready. And you can tell you're ready because you're here. So I'm grateful for your showing upness to this podcast, but also to your own life, to your own next step. And then what was the second? Oh, the website. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, um, yeah. So if you'd like more of me, uh, there's two good ways to do it. One is the website for the book, which is startrightwhereyouare.com. Startrightwhereyouare.com. Uh, the other is uh, the more general website for me and my business, which is theorganizedartistcompany.com. All the way spelled out because I'm a spell it all out for you kind of a girl. So it's theorganizedartistcompany.com. And there's a ton of, there's a blog, there's a ton of free resources, there's a bunch of stuff to sign up for. And then you'll be on my mailing list and you can write me back and tell me about your projects and we'll be pen pals and best friends. It'll be great. Awesome. So we'll have this link as well up in the show notes. Sam, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about the power of small steps and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to mysevenchakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today.